Thank you for downloading this podcast from Abrupt Audio. You can find more episodes of this and many other podcasts at abruptaudio.com. Subscribe today to get the next episode automatically. Coming up on this week's Pixel podcast, Mumbai creates no selfie zones, Samsung raises curtain on Galaxy S7, India develops smart trash, and the world's first 3D printed vertebrae. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Pixel Podcast. As always, I'm joined by Ben. Hello. And Martin. Hello. Before we get started, I should remind you that you can listen on the iTunes Podcast app. If you do, then please be sure to give it a rating because it helps promote the podcast. And of course, not forgetting you Android users, you can download the Stitcher app and find us on there. Along with all of that, you can find us on the Abrupt Audio website, which is abruptaudio.com forward slash pixel, P-I-X-3-L. And with that, let's get into the weekly topics. There are three kinds of people, those who can count and those who can't. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. Okay, for our first topic then, it's Mumbai creates a no selfie zones to prevent people from killing themselves. The Indian city of Mumbai has established 16 no selfie zones in an effort to curb strike selfie related accidents. As the Associated Press reports, the ban applies to areas that the police consider particularly dangerous, including parts of the coastline that are not protected by railings. Those who enter the no selfie zones can face fine up to 1,200 rubies, which is equivalent to £12.60, even if they do not take any photos. The Mumbai police say, this is a new problem for us. We have identified spots in Mumbai. We want to restrain people from going there so that mishaps don't happen. So guys, what do you think today? We're having no selfie zones. I'm going to straight head over to Edson. Edson, what do you think? I I, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit baffled, to be honest, that you have to create zones <laughs> where you don't have where you can't take selfies like surely uh, a dangerous place to take a selfie would be where the majority of people would decide not to take a selfie but it seems like there are certain people on this earth that decide to take selfies in extremely dangerous locations and then i don't know get injured or seriously injured and this I mean some oh. of these dangerous locations include like railway lines and cliffs and things like that i'm just like why would you on earth want to do that this one person tried to get a selfie of themselves um on while on the rail tracks before the train comes if 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 that's what you're doing you've i mean you haven't got long left on this earth i don't think if you keep doing that it's not it's it's just only a matter of time isn't it i don't i don't get i don't get it there's a bit more to this article here it says other countries have taken measures to ban the selfie stick as it can cause loss of balance and um cause injuries again you know just be careful when you're going out there with selfie sticks or or taking selfies you know don't stand in front of a train line or on top of a dam or a high building yeah, off the edge of a cliff don't do that you know i i don't want to be like, like nagging you like a parent but be safe out there and don't do stupid things sorry just to end on this how heavy are these selfie sticks how if they're losing their balance with them how he- how heavy are these bloody selfie sticks they're like lead ben <laughs> i thought lead. they're all just chinese made stuff that no, no, no. breaks when you touch it no 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 it's plastic with lead lining inside okay all right well there we go then anyway if you're taking selfies take them responsibly 
Our second topic for this week is Nintendo as they slash profit forecast after sales slow down. Nintendo has cut its operating profit forecast for the current financial year by 34% following a third quarter sales slump and a recent surge in the yen's value. The Japanese gaming company had previously expected to make an operating profit of 50 billion yen in the year ending March 31st, but has reduced the expectation to 33 billion yen, about 292 million today. Although Nintendo is still expecting to turn a moderate profit this year, all eyes will be on its unveiling of the upcoming NX platform and the rollout of its first smartphone games. New CEO Tatsumi Kimishima has spoken of his desire to return to the company's old Nintendo-like profits. Now guys, what do we think of this? Do we think Nintendo's in a bit of a troubling time? Is this is this worrying signs for them or is this just this just normal Nintendo way? I'm a little bit concerned, I'm going to be honest with you. Nintendo have always done pretty well. I mean, Nintendo Wii as well was a, an incredible um, turnaround for them in terms of profits and, you know, it's one of the best-selling consoles ever made. And since then, they've really not been able to keep up. The Wii U's been pretty mediocre, you know, didn't have good, particularly good press, was at sort of the wrong price when it came out and also the wrong specs to go with it and in, 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 in considering how close it was to the PS4 and Xbox One launch. And do you know what? made me start to worry a little bit is when they announced that some of their games that they're making would go onto iOS and, and, and you know, the mobile platform. I mean, this is a company normally that wouldn't even think about one of their characters going on a platform that wasn't native to their own console. They haven't ever done that as far as I am really concerned. And I think them starting to do that is maybe, uh, you know, their investors and other people in the company starting to worry about their profits. And I think it was almost a telltale sign before this. And I'm concerned. And I hope that this isn't a downward spiral for them. I hope that, the, the, that they can bring out you know another console that's going to do really well and uh and can sort of re um reinvigorate the franchises that they already have i think part of the issue might be that although they have a lot of good franchises they have been the same for a long time and all they do is bring out a new console and then bring out new games that go with it which are very similar like they'll do a new little twist oh it's hd let's make a hd remake of this or whatever they need to bring out more new and interesting games i think they've lost a tiny bit of creativity and i think they really need to get that back I mean, yeah, like, honestly, what you're saying there is true. And we talked last week about mobile gaming and how it's catching up with console gaming and how it's catching up with consoles. Last week, we were comparing um, sort of mobile gaming and how it's catching up with, with PlayStation 3 and Xbox, uh, well, PS4 and Xbox One. But it's like Nintendo's always that little bit step behind them already. So really, if it's already there for Nintendo. Like they, they've already got competition with mobile gaming. Mobile gaming is competing with them now, so they need to branch into mobile gaming to to start doing well again. Like I think this is, I, I honestly think this is actually a good move for them to to go into mobile gaming because it's it's either that or mobile gaming passes them. I think. I think yeah, it's worrying. I think um, the big thing here for me is Nintendo for a very long time uh, took down a lot of. Uh, content on YouTube that they said it was against copyright. And let's have a look at games like um, FIFA on the Xbox and PlayStation. You know, they got big, like, they were a big franchise already, but they got even bigger. More people wanted to invest in it, as well as other games succeeded because of YouTubers playing that game. And, you know, only recently have they let, like, uh, channels like Markiplier upload some Mario Maker stuff, but it's too little too late for me. I feel like they have took a massive step down, and I think... uh, What's really killed them is this YouTube thing. People see YouTubers as big role models and they want to play the games that they're playing. I know as a fact for myself, I didn't really much want to play um, a lot of FIFA 
But uh, I watched a lot of KSI, I watched a lot of Mini Minter, and just to name a few, and I got into the game. I got involved that way. And I feel like that's where you, you, uh, Nintendo needed to push their content online, but they just didn't. And it keeps that little block, and they never stepped it up into the 21st century or the new media. I think really time will tell whether you know the moves that they're doing at the moment and their future plans will kind of save their profits and hopefully we hope that Nintendo stay around for many years to come. We don't want to see Nintendo Nintendo die. They're a company been around for a long time and produced some epic franchises. So hopefully Nintendo can turn this around, bring things back on track. Uh, I think there's just some concerns possibly whether the mobile market thing is going to work or not. Maybe it does. Hopefully, they can turn around their sort of PR side of things as well. As Martin mentioned, YouTube hasn't been a great platform for them at the moment. They have been treating it, I think, the way they should do, not as cleverly as some of the other companies have done. But like I said, only time will tell. The next topic on Pixel Podcast this week is all to do with Microsoft Windows platform on mobile. Now, there was a plan announced a while ago that they were willing to work with developers and make it easier for them to port their Android apps over to Windows Mobile. This comes as... A lot of apps aren't currently available on Windows Mobile, which is affecting uh, their user base quite greatly. And it's also putting people off buying the phone. Android has a mass amount of apps and lots of flexibility and that sort of stuff. So it was really great news to Windows Mobile users and people who really wanted to use the platform but just felt that it wasn't grown up as uh, their counterpart. However, bad news, as Microsoft has announced its discontinuing efforts to offer developers an easy way of bringing Android apps to Windows 10. The decision confirms rumors from back in November that the company was considering killing the idea. Codename Project Astoria, the Android app porting initiative, was first announced at the Microsoft Build Developer Conference last year, alongside similar plans to build a so-called bridge between iOS and Windows, and help developers migrate older Windows software and web contents to the newest version of its OS. It turns out having two bridge technologies to bring code from mobile operating systems to Windows was unnecessary. Microsoft Director Kevin Gallo right. The announcement comes just one day after Microsoft agreed to acquire Examarin, a startup that lets developers write apps in a single programming language and then customize the software for any major smartphone platform. Instead of waiting for more progress on Astoria, Microsoft's developers should now look into its open source iOS migration tool internally called Project Islandwood or turn to Examarin's product for making cross-platform apps. A quote here says, the philosophy behind the bridges has always been to make it easy as possible for you to bring code to Windows and our investments in the iOS bridge will make this straightforward. Now, this is where I bring you guys in. Do you feel that they're making it straightforward? How do you feel? Do you think this is going to have a big effect? Is this going to make it more difficult, do you think, even though Microsoft, I think it's going to make more straightforward for them? Well, Microsoft have had a bit of a history, actually, with this sort of stuff. Let's face it with, um, let's say, for Xbox One, when it came out, like you had already the market of uh, Spotify, the music uh, company that let you listen to free, stream it. And they, they didn't integrate what was already there. They tried to make their own system, which made no sense. I feel like Microsoft are always quite tentative when it comes around this sort of thing. They're like, oh, well... If someone else can make it, we can make it so much better because it feels like they have this massive thing to prove. But why didn't they get along with the uh, the competition out there? And that's why I think um, a bit of a call back to uh, last week, why Microsoft's um, Xbox One wasn't very good compared to other consoles out there, or, uh, like PCs and your PS4s, because they integrate with different stuff. I think this will shoot them in the foot in a, uh, a few months to come, not years, in a few months, even weeks. They need to uh, let um, people customize what they want. 
I think the um, the port was a really good idea originally because, I mean, it's saying to developers, look, we understand you've got your Android apps already. You can port those straight over and we'll help you do that. And I think that was a really nice gesture. And I think that would, that would have gone down really well to the developers. Uh, you know, it's sort of Microsoft saying, we understand. But I think now they're kind of going, well, actually, we've changed our mind now, you know, all of a sudden and changed the developers and made it probably frustrated them a lot. And also going at the same time, well, we've got this new platform that you probably haven't used before, but use it because then you can put your apps on all of them at the same time. But you're like, if you're a developer you're going, well, I've got this app on Android and iOS. Why would I want to start from scratch in this new platform to make it on those? I've already got it on those. Why can't I just transition it over to your platform? So I think it's going to be really infuriating for developers. And I think it's just going to make them go, do you know what? Screw it. I'm not going to bother. And I think that is going to be the case for a lot of developers. And that worries me for not only um, you know the future of this smartphone market, but also the future for Microsoft's share in that world. Staying on the subject with mobile phones, Samsung raises the curtain on the Galaxy S7 models. Samsung on Sunday introduced two new models of the flagship Galaxy smartphone line. At the annual gala of the Mobile World, the Mobile World Conference in Barcelona. Very catchy there. Both phones have similar features, but one, the Galaxy S7 Edge, has a 5.5-inch display the same size as the iPhone 6 Plus, the units have curved screens that support quad HD resolution as well as slight curve on the back, making them easier to hold. In addition, the units are water and dust resistant. They also support micro SD storage and run on Android 6.0 Marshmallow. A quote here from tech analyst research, they're a nice improvement on other previous versions, but they're not groundbreaking, as well as there isn't any one feature that is a killer, which... I must admit, I have seen some of the specs, and I'm not the most techiest person in the world, but I, when an iPhone comes out, the launch thing's big. People go on and on. And with this Edge, I haven't heard too much about it, but usually Ben's usually in the know of this stuff. So Ben, what do you know about this phone? But I will say the smartphone market has kind of got a little bit stale at the moment. Things aren't rapidly changing, or there aren't amazing stuff that's coming out. It's kind of incremental upgrades, and it's... Honestly, like the mobile world at the minute is doing nothing that's actually eye-catching and, and outstanding. I think one of the more interesting things and things that people call for all the time is the battery life. Um, the F- S7 Edge is going to have a 3,600 milliamp hour battery. It's a massive jump from the previous version, which had 2,600. So an extra thousand there, you know, that's a big, big jump. And I think that is going to make some of the biggest difference. So I think that's probably one of the biggest calling points if you are uh, a previous S um, S edge owner that you might want to upgrade to that as well other things like it's incremental upgrades is it probably going to be worth the jump for people who have the previous version probably not if you've got an older samsung then maybe it's something you look forward to Uh, but i think generally as an industry it's it's kind of gone a little bit stale at the moment there's not a lot you can do um you know some phone manufacturers have tried to upgrade their screens to things above you know hd you know 2k or whatever but then you're like well i'm looking at something that small on my hand am i going to even notice the difference and then you haven't even got the content that really goes with it on smartphones that much so there's not really much going on I think in terms of the world of smartphones it's a bit boring and I'm just hoping that some company soon comes out with something that's just going to smack us across the face and go oh my god I didn't see that coming Edson do you feel the same? Yeah I honestly do I'm now moving away from the iPhone I've, I've always had the iPhone because I've always preferred the 
the sort of the iTunes way of things. I've always preferred the Apple Music way of things. Um, but only recently have I actually started using, a few months ago, started using Spotify and actually uh, utilising that more. And that's now my main platform for listening to music. So that was the only thing that was keeping me on the iPhone. And I'm actually, I, I've been I've been following over the past few months all of these new phones that have been announced, the new HTC phone, uh, obviously this, the Galaxy S7. And I'm looking to get an Android phone next. But as you said, not many things. It's there's not much innovation there over the past few years. Like from when I from when I got the iPhone six, it's. I mean, there's not really much there apart from obviously the the different platforms. So it, iOS and Android and the Windows Phone. Like the differences are there, but in innovation inside the phone, not much. The only thing I I would say that I want in phones, and I think obviously that the Galaxy S7 has tried to do this is the longer battery life. I don't know if this is gonna is, is gonna be good enough, but they're upgrading it, which is good. That's that's one thing they should definitely do. Um, and another thing you should do is, or I, I don't know why an, a smartphone hasn't done this yet, whatever camera they offer you on the back of the phone, they should offer you on the front of the phone. No phone so far is giving you the same camera on the back that it has on the front as well. And I really don't know why phones aren't doing that. You should be able to have a front-facing camera that's the same quality as the backwards camera as well. Um, so I think that should be a thing that they should be doing. I think the front-facing camera is a really good point. I think companies have generally been quite slow to take on the fact that, you know, we're in this selfie re- revolution or whatever yeah. you want to call it, whatever crap you want to come up with. I mean, we were talking about earlier about the selfie problem in Mumbai. I mean, people want to record vlogs and things now. Exactly. They want to take selfies, upload them Snapchat, things like that. And I think it has been very slow. I mean, all right, you know, the iPhone recently had a little bit of an upgrade and thing had used the um, the LED screen as a flash and things like that. And other phones have been doing some similar. But nothing that, you know, you'd expect in terms of a change of them going, oh, our users are using the front-facing camera probably more than using the back-facing camera. Let's, you know, make a good, really good front-facing camera. I think it's definitely something that's been missing. So, uh, so yeah, I'm really, really surprised about that. And, uh, yeah, I agree with you completely. That there's not enough innovation going on. There's nothing really interesting. I mean, you look at a load of specs, you're like, oh, okay, that's kind of what I expected. It's just a tiny bit better than the last version. Martin, I'll take it to you. Okay, as Ben knows, I'm, I do have an Android phone. I don't re- use it to its 100% capabilities. But for me, a phone should be shatter resistant and now also this has a bit of a waterproof which you guys haven't really touched upon but i'll quickly say it i would i'd love a waterproof phone you know let's look at like the blackberry a few years ago it had like the old scroller when that a bit of rain went on it that was out the window you couldn't use your phone it felt like on the on the scroller and if and now okay it's a big difference from a few years ago i'd say about three four years ago now with the more water resistant but, you know, we've all been there. Maybe we've had a bath and we want some music on. You use your phone and it might drop in the bath or something, you know, and it could survive that. And I think that's great. And also my phone here, I have, like, I look around people in my class and they have shattered iPhones and all this. My phone has been dropped. And this is a bit of a rough estimate. I'd say a good 25 times. Has it got a crack on it? No. A few scratches, but not a crack. I do just want to say that the uh, the new um, Samsung phone isn't waterproof. Don't drop it in a bath. It's water-resistant, rain, things like that. Fine. There are some waterproof phones out there. Sony have got their own, and there are some other brands as well available. But there are some sort of waterproof phones. You are looking for that. So some innovation has been done in that sense. It's nothing to grab my attention. It's nothing to make me go out and buy it. 
Um, I think Android, as well as a platform, has a long way to go. I think it still has a lot of uh, growing up and developing to do in, in a lot of aspects, especially in the security side of things. There's a big fragmentation in terms of the versions that people are using and the whole update system and different platforms getting it before the others in terms of brands and things like that. And I think that needs to be sorted as well. But I think generally a load of innovation, a load of thought needs to go back in and hopefully um, some something creative and innovative and new can come out uh, in the next few years. Our final weekly catch-up topic this week is coming from Ubisoft once more. It is preparing for a possible hostile takeover from a company called Vivendi. The French company is meeting with investors and even the Canadian government as part of a fight to preserve our independence, it says. Vivendi, the French media conglomerate that once owned Activision Blizzard, currently holds a more than 10% stake in Assassin's Creed and Far Cry's publisher Ubisoft. The company increased its stake to that amount from 6.6% last year in a move that Ubisoft called unsolicited and unwelcome. Vivendi has also made an unsolicited offer to buy Gameloft, a mobile company based in France which is run by the Ubisoft CEO's Yves Guillemot's brother. It is reported that the hostile bid for the Gameloft represents the first step in Vivendi's larger ploy to force talks with the Guillemot family about taking over Ubisoft. If Vivendi is successful in taking control over Ubisoft, it could face a momental challenge, according to The Globe and The Mail. If it can't coax the Guillemot brothers into a friendly deal, it runs the risk of losing not only them, but the employees loyal to them in an industry that depends on creative talent. Now, what do you guys think of this? Do you think that Ubisoft is in a bit of a tricky spot? They obviously are not too keen, the CEO isn't, and the sort of like the hierarchy of Ubisoft, they're not too keen on, on this company taking them over or trying to buy them out. Um, because they feel like it's not the Ubisoft way, I'd, I don't think. But what do you guys think of this? I think if there's concerns already at this part, then maybe it really isn't a good idea. Um, and there you know, seems to be a lot of blockages in the way, so maybe they have to rethink it and maybe even not do it. I mean, Ubisoft as well, I mean... <laughs> They're on a bit of. I think they're on a bit of thin ice, a tiny bit themselves. I mean, they haven't had, uh, I would say, amazing um, success with games at the moment. They've got some hype. They're good at. They're good at hype. But apart from that, at the minute, they've done little results improved or anything with that. So a bit worried whether this would be a good idea or not. Martin, what do you think? Well, the red flag was definitely there when they said they're not going to release a new Assassin's Creed this upcoming year. I mean. That, and again, was the warning signs. And like Ben said, they are skating on thin ice right now. I feel like the creative spark has definitely gone uh, in Ubisoft. A lot of Ubisoft's games now are very cookie-cutter. They're a bit copy-pasted over from previous gens and just sort of, like, added a few things here. Ooh, a touch of bit up here. And that's it. Like, I will say it. I've watched a lot of uh, Far Cry Primal, a new game that has come out with uh, Ubisoft, and it just seemed boring to me. It's like, where is... Where's that thing that makes me want to watch more of this or want me to go to the next chapter in the story? It just isn't there. And also with a lot of the Assassin's Creed, it's a biased opinion here because I'm not a massive fan. I've seen a lot of gameplay of that. And again, it's very it's trying to grind out the story to you and it's just not there anymore. Like I said, they need to go back, go back to the drawing board, look at past uh, games they've done. And maybe it is a good thing they're bringing in another developer in because honestly, the, the idea well has run dry. I think if Vivendi is successful in taking control over Ubisoft, I think it will cause them um, um, more issues over the coming years than it might be worthwhile in the longer period. I don't know whether the longer period uh, 
you know, uh, goal will be worth the, the hassle they're going to have to go through. And uh, I think it could have quite a monumental effect on the company. And, uh, you know, it might cause them, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a backlash, a bit of a, a bit of a, you know, blockage in the way. And uh, they don't need this at the moment. They really don't. You know, they've got a lot of uh, promises to fulfill. And I'm worried whether this is going to get in the way of fulfilling those promises. But just very quickly, for Vendy games that they have previously made, here are some of the big titles. They actually made Simpsons Hit and Run. They made Crash Mind Over Music. Mutant, and also they made a lot of Spyro games. You know, the success is there. And I feel like, like I said, this is going to be a fresh ideas coming in. You know, that success, though, was a long, long time yeah, ago. We're very, in very, very different time times. Very, very different times. So I think it's an interesting one. Stay tuned to it. I definitely keep an eye on this and see what pans out. Hopefully, whatever happens ends up being a good move for Ubisoft. And that wraps up our weekly topics. And if you guys want to find out more about these, you can check out our show notes on the Abrupt Audio website. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. Get a life. I'm a gamer. I've got plenty of lives. So our main topic this week is a little bit rubbish. And no, I'm not dissing the topic. It is actually rubbish. It's all about trash in India. Now, trash in India is a really big problem. But a civic lesson that has frustrated two Mumbai entrepreneurs even more so for years. India is a country where people love to break the rules. That's Raj Desai, co-founder of startup ThinkScreen. We see it on the roads where no one is driving in their lane. We see it in the way people disrespect public spaces by throwing garbage anywhere that they want to. So he and co-founder Pratik Agarwal had an idea. Reward people for throwing things away. So in the digital age, how do you reward people? for throwing things away. Well, you give them something that is precious, more precious than diamonds and gold, the internet. So Desai and Agarwal, both 26, invented a trash can that rewards people with 15 minutes of free Wi-Fi every time they throw something away. The plastic bin, which costs about $1,470, not cheap, is four and a one half feet high with an LED screen, when you throw something in it, the screen flashes a unique code to access 50 minutes of Wi-Fi, which works with a 50-meter radius. Think Screen partnered with a local telecom company and debuted six smart bins at a musical festival in 2014. Since then, the startup has received a number of inquiries from companies who see it as a viral branding opportunity. So, first of all, do we believe this is a good idea? Do you think this is going to solve the issue that they're having? And also, do you think it would work in other countries such as the UK? I mean, honestly, it's a good idea, of course. This is like, this is a way to, to get people to, because it's it's a big problem in a lot of countries, but like you say, it's a, it's a very big problem in India. But I honestly think, like, first of all, what is, like, what is the, like, how big does this, this code flash up? Can someone steal this code from you? I haven't seen this in action. I mean, it's it's obviously next to the bins. If you're throwing it away, you know, it, I, I can just imagine some some kid like stood there waiting for like someone to throw something in and stealing his code. That'd be the world world's <laughs> most douchebag. I could see it happening. Not only not only is he stealing other people's codes, he's also not helping the rubbish problem. Yeah, at the same and time, honestly, so, I, I could uh, see that happening, especially if it came to the UK. I think I don't think it's probably happening in India, but if that came to the UK, that would definitely be happening. The thing that this is like happening in music festivals, that's a very good idea. Because music festivals are notorious just for the amount of rubbish that's there after and the amount of cleanup that is needed. Um, so this is good. And I, I honestly think this is something that they should try and implement in, in big cities, um, not only in India, but obviously across the world. They, they should be the big, uh, the big cities in Europe, the big cities in America. They should try and do this and just see how it how it works. And if it if it does work, 
maybe this is, this could be a solution to get people to to start recycling to start because you you could then develop more sort of ways from this of like because we've got like trash cans in the uk that like in the city centers that are separated to recycling and some that are separated to general waste and stuff like that so like if you actually are putting the right things in the right thing you could get i don't know there's there's many ways that this could develop and i honestly think this could be a good thing they just need to test it more I don't think cities are the way to go straight away because um, a lot of places like Southampton and London, they're fairly clean. I don't really see too much of this on the, on the ground. I'd say places like, for instance, my hometown in Banbury, um, there's a lot of rubbish around the parks, I, I've noticed, and especially in the middle of town. So I feel like maybe towns are where to start out because, you know, you don't want to send it into a big city because a lot it might get in the way, trying to construct it in there. A lot of people are going to be in hustle bustle. I feel like if it starts in towns where it's lower... Um, capacity of people you know you can start getting a feel of how many people are actually going to use this you don't want to put it in the middle uh say london for example you might get a load of people but it's not really of an accurate description because there's so many people in london because you don't actually see a lot of bins in london if you notice like um in one of ben's blogs i actually have a bottle for like three four hours it's it felt like and obviously to do obvious reasons so i don't feel like london or big cities are going to really incorporate that like i said towns and small villages are probably the best place to do it because they don't have these um worries or strains i mean honestly like the fact that it's not just that we want people to use this it's it's there's a definitely another thing that is good about this and that's the advertising that this is developing like people that want like the 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 big thing for me of adding this into uh, a big city like london like like uh, i don't know like new york or something you can take it to a city like that and you can implement it there and okay not many people would use it for its purpose but it would generate talk around it and it would make people think in the back of their mind it's 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 advertising without people realizing uh it's it's making people think that they need to start recycling they need to start throwing the rubbish away and later on down the line like an hour later they might there could be someone that litters all the time and he might think back to that one thing he saw he might think back to that that wi-fi bin that he saw and thought that's quite cool i'm going to pop this in the bin and then he's suddenly now putting every single thing in the bin it's it's not just that the fact that this is a cool thing that people are going to use it's it's more of a if we put this in the big in the big cities there's a lot of people that are going to see this and it's a bit of an advertising ploy as well so I think it's a very good advertising ploy, and I think someone in the UK could take it on and make a really good thing out of it. Because not only could they, you know, for instance, in, in London you have uh, Boris bikes, and there are many different versions of Boris bikes, all branded different. You've got your Santander ones and the like. So if a company did something similar and they had your Santander Wi-Fi bin, then obviously not only is it promoting their brand, but also exactly. at the same time they can do a whole big promotional thing and saying, look, we're helping with the environment by putting these Wi-Fi bins. And obviously the Wi-Fi bins could be just basically big Wi-Fi hotspots from, you know, their network there, you know, their, 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 um, uh, sorry, it's not Santa there, but like Vodafone could do it with their network or whoever. Anyway, it's basically an opportunity for them to market themselves. But it kind of just remind me a little bit um, of something my dad told me uh, years ago, what he used to do, uh, that to encourage um, the, the sort of younger people to sort of um, 
to recycle or bring stuff back in like and to actually you know, take stuff uh, like bottles and things like that once they've been used and take them back for recycling or whatever they need to recycle but anyway to put them in the trash or whatever is that um, once you'd finish with like uh, and you get sort of these glass pot bottles things like that you'd always take them uh, back to the place that they came from and then they would give you like money in exchange for that so then you know it'd always be an incentive for you to go and take them back and to not just leave them out or chuck, you know, chuck them away or whatever it's to actually put them where they're supposed to go by giving you sort of an incentive so I I think it's almost a 21st century version of that, you know, incentivizing people with free internet for uh, putting things in the bin. I think it could work. I think it definitely, definitely could work, especially um, in, in these sort of places in India and things like that. And like I said, I think it's a perfect marketing opportunity for someone in the UK to jump on. Pixel Podcast, officially approved by Ed's Nan. Our final topic for today is an Australian neurosurgeon has performed what he has described as the world's first by removing a cancerous vertebrae and implanting in there a 3D printed vertebrae. Okay, it's clear to see that we've entered like the digital age and we're we'll start helping people more. And I think this is uh, a really cool subject to talk about, especially like it's now helping people for the better. Obviously, with the new advances in technology, we've been able to uh, 3D print uh, new objects offline, which is great to help people, but also comes with its negatives as well as. Ben, what do you think? I think, yeah, you're right. There is negatives. Um, there are obviously negative things that have been done with 3D printing. So it is nice to see something positive. Anything that, you know, that, that's helped us in terms of the health industry is always seen as a good thing and I think it generally kind of is a good thing but uh, yeah there are downsides like 3D printing but 3D printing is becoming more and more of a thing and uh, I mean there are countries such as China which believe that it's going to become part education where you'll have a 3D printer you know in your classroom and eventually in your home and you will need to learn how to use these 3D printers because they will become a part of our society and I think that is a fair a fair thing to say and I think this is proof that uh, the uses you know go far further than I think we ever thought it would be able to. Uh, Edson? I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely a thing that we can 100%, you, you can see it developing in the future. It's, it's one of the few technologies that is sort of, is, is, is being made very apparent, especially in the medical industry, because it's, it's you can actually see this happen. Like you can see, you, you've seen it slowly in one-off cases, helping certain people in certain situations with certain illnesses or certain things wrong that, that need help. Hang on, Edson. I want to stop you there. You're saying about helping people. Like, there's a lot of negatives. Guys, here. guys, guys, guys. Let's let's pack it down a little bit. We've got verses coming up in just a second. So hold your arguments. <laughs> we want to hear the full stories in just a sec. So is me hosting verses this week. I went against Edson. I lost. Martin made Edson the victor. Oh yeah. So we I are did. looking at the moment one one two two to Martin. So it's my decision now to see whether it's three one one or whether it's one two three. Kind of kind of a nice ring to it, even though that would mean that I'm in last place. So maybe I don't want that. But both contestants have 30 seconds, the same as the new rule that we introduced last week. And as Edson, you won, you get to decide whether it's heads or tails, and you also get to decide whether it's for or against. The question we are asking is will the sophisticated nature of the medical industry ultimately cause us more harm? than good that is the versus question we're asking edson what would you like i would i i would say it's it's going to it's it's going to be good so it's it's, it's going to be good so yeah and i want heads okay so it's gonna be good and heads here we go so edson yeah it's tails you oh every, every goddamn week oh i don't want that 
Oh, great. I don't, I don't want this. Honestly, I really wanted the <laughs> other one. <laughs> So to summarise, Martin, you have four. It's a good idea. (laughs) God. And Edson, you have against. So 30 seconds on the clock. Martin, as you're the challenger, you will have to go first. Martin, are you ready? No. Doesn't matter. Your time starts in three, two, one, go. Okay, with the benefits of this, definitely manufacturing and it's pretty much easier to make organs and replace bones in in humans. We don't have to wait for transplants anymore, like donors for like organs and kidneys. People on the waiting list were completely shortened down. Furthermore, the 3D printing is a great promise and it's coming in quick and fast with rapid prototyping. Products coming, like I said, faster and more quicker to the people who need it most. Time's up. Well done, Martin. You did that, 29, 42. Started halfway through. I don't know where I want to go with this. Well done. Edson. Oh, God. Are you ready? Yeah. I, I, no, but, time starts yeah, let's do in it. Three, two, one, go. Okay, this is a bad thing because there's already a lot of people on this earth. There's global warming is really, really, really apparent at the minute. And if we concentrate so much on this, we make this a thing that is is so common to us in 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 the future. Um, this will obviously make life expectancy longer, and I think that is a definitely a bad thing because it's going to speed up global warming in the long run which is probably the biggest challenge facing earth right now and that was 2742 well done so very very good three seconds to spare you could have done like a little uh, boast in those three seconds you're going i was i was just going to do like a a dance well i I did do a little dance but you guys didn't see it because it's a podcast no no that is we don't want to see you dance that's how podcasts work people don't have to physically see us which i think is definitely a benefit don't worry i'll I'll send you guys a snapchat later no don't please don't (laughs) <laughs> okay, so you know enough about is, Snapchat. Right? Enough about Snapchat. Let's get serious. You both gave very good points. Um, I think generally some positive notes on Martin's. I think genuinely uh, you gave more general points. You did stutter, but you still managed even with that to give more, I think, points generally than Edson managed to fit. Edson, though, you didn't stutter. You were clear. You gave a really big point, which is hard to miss. I can see the way this is going. You really gave, quite hard, gave, you really gave quite a strong point. I think global warming is a big issue. Um, but as much as I kind of don't want to, don't want to say it, oh, I'm going to have to give it to Martin. No, yes, no. <laughs> Sorry, I must have destroyed people's eardrums back fine, at it's home. Fine, but well done, Martin. Three, one, one. So well done, Martin. Thank and, you. Uh, we'll have to wait next week now and see Martin and me who's going to come out. Whether it's going to be three, two, one. Or 411, which I'm more hoping for. Need to establish more of a lead. If you think patience is a virtue, try surfing the net on a 14.4K dial up connection. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. And that wraps up episode four of the Pixel Podcast. Hopefully, everyone has enjoyed listening this week. Uh, I should just say, obviously, if you guys do want to listen to this elsewhere, you can on the iTunes Podcast app. If you do, and you do enjoy it, please drop it a rating. That would really help us promote the podcast. And of course, not forgetting the Android users, you can download the Stitcher app and find us on there. And along with all of that, you can find us on the Abrupt Audio website, abruptaudio.com forward slash pixel. That's P-I-X-3-L. And that leaves one more thing. Thank you so much to Ben this week. Thank you. And thank you so much to Martin. Thank you. Thank you so much to everyone that's listened to episode four, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Pixel Podcast. Thank you and good night. Or as they say in gamer speak, G-G-N-O-R-E. 
I'm now looking at otters, not otters, oh, uh, and seals. I'm looking at whales, and I mean the country and the sport. 63 ah. still. Uh, I can't wait for England to beat you. I, no, Wales will beat England in Six Nations. No, nah, it's not going to happen. I can't both see of it. you, Both of you are going to STFU once, you know. <laughs> it's not going to happen. happen. No, it's yes, not. I said it on a podcast, it's going to happen. What? That's how it works. What's going on the podcast? <laughs> I've said it on a podcast that Wales going to win and Wales going to win. All right, Ben sucks. I've said it on a podcast. It's true. Great. You know he's editing these, right? He's just not going <laughs> to add that in. <laughs> he's he's going to add like his own voice saying, awesome, <laughs> like, instead of... Ben like... is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, well, yeah. So, uh, hmm. thanks, guys. You're welcome. <laughs> Probably a stop. Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm stopping recording.